Chapter 7 of The Northern Spy This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary Conover, Wyndham, Maine. The Northern Spy by J. Thomas Warren. Chapter 7 Old Ben prowls around and finds something. Ben Manx was not altogether pleased with St. Leger's rather hurried and unceremonious departure, but sat upon his sorrel nag, apparently in doubt whether to strive to overtake the captain or to return to the inn. Dang the luck he didn't have put out in such a terrible hurry. Sides, "'Twan't overly polite in him, seeing how much I have done for him. "'But then young blood are naturally impetuous and must be allowed for. "'Gosh, but the old judge will be howling mad in the morning "'when he discovers that the fellow what he supposed were one of Hardy's messengers "'has stole his best hoss and put. <laughs> "'Who'd thought of seeing George St. Leger turn hot-thief?' but only to think of him being in the Union Army and his old father here a true blue secesh. Well, I hopes the youngster will get through safe, though to speak the honest truth, I have mighty serious doubts on that subject. If there weren't so tarn no many rebs lying around loose twixt here and... Where? <laughs> George didn't say where he were going. But dang it, I'm certain that Charleston ain't the port he's bound for. More'n likely he's going to Borfoot. Hey ho, I believe I'll just ride up to the house and take a squint around, sort of like. Maybe something might turn up to help the captain, now that he's got off so smart. Ben rode up the lane a little further, till he reached the gate, when he dismounted and hitched his nag to the fence. He then got over the gate and walked towards the mansion. The moon had sunk behind a bank of clouds that skirted the lower part of the western sky, and the night was now comparatively dark. The mansion was without signs of life, except the faint light that glimmered from the sitting-room window and from the room which St. Leger had so lately deserted. A gentle breeze rustled among the leaves and branches of the trees. Hope the boy made a good selection of critters, muttered old Ben, as he walked round the corner of the house towards the sheds in the rear. For here's a long ride and a tough one afore him. Don't see nothing suspicious about the place. Reckon that the captain will have a couple hours start anyhow. Gosh, what's that? Hope there aren't any dogs here, ya. Ben stopped and listened. He heard something that sounded marvelously like the growl of a dog. Oh-oh, if there's any of them varmint about, I'll just make myself scarce. Never did like dogs. My sound never. Wouldn't make no difference. Only that the pesky critters never liked me. Speck this here pack on my back makes them sort of nervous. Oh, get out! Get out! Gosh. Ben's soliloquy was suddenly interrupted by seeing the outlines of a dark body rushing from a shed directly at him. The old fellow knew it was a pesky dog, and with an exclamation of terror he sprung a rod ahead and cut across the yard like a flash. 
and after him went the animal, a good-sized watchdog, with a coat of shaggy yellow hair and a set of marvelously sharp teeth. The dog was quick afoot, and in the twinkling his jaws fastened upon what he supposed to be Ben's leg. But Ben wore a size of breeches about three sizes too large in circumference for his legs. Consequently, the dog's teeth came furiously together, just grazing Ben's flesh, but taking in a good mouthful of southern shoddy. The result of this attack was to throw Ben flat on his face while the dog rolled over him, the material of Ben's breeches tearing out like brown paper. Gosh, cried the humpback, got fooled that time, old dog, didn't ya? Up scrambled Ben and back bounced the dog. A few feet from Ben stood a small tree with wide-spreading branches which came within some six or eight feet of the ground. Towards this the old fellow ran and as if it might afford shelter. As he reached the tree and leaped into the air to catch the branch, the dog was up to that time and snapped at him again, this time with better luck. For his sharp teeth pierced the old man's flesh so keenly that he gave a roar of pain. Ben missed the branch and dropped to the ground. The old fellow was now thoroughly mad, and turning about, he gave the dog a vigorous kick that sent the beast howling across the yard. At this juncture of affairs, a door opened and a couple of servants stepped out. Ben didn't wait to see more, but started at full speed for his horse. This move in his part determined the servants, who rushed hastily after him, shouting like troopers, while the dog, encouraged, barked louder than ever and joined in the pursuit. Ben jumped the gate like a squirrel, and unhitching the horse, he threw his light body astride the animal and rode furiously down the avenue. <laughs> he cried joyfully, A miss are as good as a mile any day. Mighty luck escaped, too. Dang that dog, he gave me a very aggravating nip that time. Declare if my skin ain't getting tender as a baby's. Now I'll bet the judge will think it were me that stole his hoss. <laughs> That'll let the captain out of the scrape sartin. Gosh, I believe I have the strategy of a general. Pity I hadn't command of Hood's army. Bet I wouldn't have trotted the boys away over to Nashville and let Sherman go rampaging all over Georgie. No, sir. I'd have stuck to this hare track and a kid entry closer than a bird to a schoolboy's trousers. Gosh, I'd buy me the best horse in the whole country. I'd saddle him and bridle him and buy a sword as long as my arm, and I'd drive things around here like a Yankee grandmother would turn the spinning wheel. I'd go in for rough and tumble fighting, for shooting and bayonetting and cutting and slashing. Them's the sort of things that counts up like making ten strikes when a fellow's playing ten pins. I believes in studying strategy on Sunday and fighting like thunder the rest of the week. That's what they say old Grant does, and I make no doubt that's why he wills us so. Believe her, Captain St. Leger, and may he arrive safely to the end of his journey, and I hope the judge won't feel bad about the loss of his best horse. Her, oh. <clears throat> Hold, madman, would you run us all down? cried a stout voice. You ride like a centaur. Benton Manx came to a stop to find himself in the midst of a group of a dozen horsemen who drew rein and surrounded him. Madman, that ain't me as I knows on, 
said the old fellow as he peered in the faces of the cavalry, although it was too dark to recognize features or colors. Howsomedever, I expect I might a most as well be outright mad to want for all the good my wits does me. Well, sir, continued the first speaker, who appeared to be the leader of the squad, if you're not a madman, why do you ride so like one? You dash along at the top of your speed on a dark night as though Satan himself were after you. Where are you going? Going, huh? Home? Where's that, pray tell? Down to Bill Askin's tavern. And what's your name? Name? Uh, it's Benjamin Max. You ought to know me, Connell. Knowed you these here a dozen years. Shouldn't think you'd ever forget me after you had once sought eyes on me. Reckon you'd know me if it were daylight, because I'm the handsomest feller in the district. Got the doggonest knapsack on my back you ever seed. Tain't a load of sin, though, Connell. Thank the Lord for that. Oh, this is old Manx, is it? Returned the man who had been styled Colonel. Then you are the very chap we want to see. Oh, is it possible? What an honor, sir! Returned Ben, not, however, in the steadiest tones. I hope it's to tell me good news, the skedaddling of the Yankees, and if twarn't for the pack on my shoulders, I'd been shooting and sticking to them myself. Come, come, no palaver, said the colonel, in a decided tone. We want to know why you are abroad at this time of the night. My boss, Bill Haskins at the tavern, sent me over. No, no, don't tell me any yarns, interrupted the colonel. You can't fool us in that way. We have just come from the tavern, and your boss don't know where you are, though he was ready to wager his head that you would put off to look after your Yankee friend. Yankee friend, exclaimed old Ben innocently. Gosh, I don't know I had any friends among the pesky Yankees. Don't know what should make him friendly toward me. Ain't no very attractive pints about me, except this, this hump on my shoulders, which ain't overly inviting in appearance, but then thank the Lord, Tanapaka. Come, come, interrupted the colonel. If you have no sin in your pack, it's more than you can say of your heart. Unless you lie like a Mexican. We know all about your pranks tonight. You have aided and abetted in the escape of a dangerous Yankee, who bore with him a very important document. You put him on his guard at the inn, and you have even now come forth to see if you could not aid him further. Who in the world can you be talking about, Act Ben? Certain that I hain't seed no spicious puss in hell round. Can't be that you means Captain Hoffman, what Lieutenant Gosham come nigh killing. Come nigh killing? Didn't he kill him? Ben saw he was too fast and too well informed, and so he moderated his tone a trifle and said, Can't say, sir. Gosham said he killed him, and that's all I knows on the subject. Tain't likely a man would live with his head split open. Well, sir, this Hoffman is the Yankee we are after. For he is a Yankee. Lost sakes, no, cried Ben. Can't be possible. Yet, if you says it, it don't become me to deny it. But Gosham declared that he had seen Hoffman's dispatches and that it were directed to General Beauregard, 
down to Charleston Way. It appears to me, no matter how it appears to you, sir, the address was to deceive such as you. Turn your horse's head and return with us to Judge Simons, where I understand this precious Yankee was knocked on the head. Well, if you desires my company, Colonel Montague, you are welcome to it, I'm sure. Anything to serve the good cause. Lars, mercy. Who'd thought that the young captain were a Yankee spy? He did fool us, certain, and if I give him anything I lift, it were because I thought he were a genuine confed, certain. Oh, my, the deceitfulness of human nature. It are distressing to think on it. Such a smooth-faced feller to soft-soap us and make believe he were all hunkadory. But tain't Christian heap views on him now, for according to reports, and he done fur with a cracked skull. I am just aching to see you get a hold of the papers that he had, Colonel. Maybe it'll be the saving of all of our lives. Who knows? All these deceitful bloody Yankees. Now, old fellow, just put a muzzle on your mouth, and don't open it again until you are requested to speak, said Colonel Montague, for he was the speaker. If I am not greatly mistaken, at least one half of your talk thus far has been a pack of lies. Taint a pack of sin, though, Colonel, broke in Ben. Remember that, Colonel. Remember that, and the Lord be thanked for it, too. See here, cried Montague, didn't I tell you to keep still, you old chatterbox, you? Learn to obey orders, or I'll teach you better manners in a hurry. I've half a mind to run you through now, you old scarecrow. And the colonel whipped out his sword and brandished it ominously over old Ben's head. Hold on, for mercy's sake, cried old Max, in a tremor of fright, apparently. There ain't nothing between us. I'll agree to everything you says. Don't hit me. Don't. Oh, 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 shut up and take that, roared the colonel, as he let the side of his sword fall heavily across the old fellow's hump between his shoulders. The weapon glanced off and struck sharply across the rump of the old sorrel nag that Ben bestrode. This was too much for the dignity of the venerable beast, who kicked furiously out and snorted, plunged, the horse's feet struck against the ribs of a cavalry steed, which also gave a furious kick the latter kick coming pretty severely against the colonel's beast. Old Ben also gave the colonel's horse a sly cut with his whip that sent the spirited animal dancing up the road several rods and nearly unhorsed the officer. Old Ben's nag, now excited, only needed the loosening of the reins to travel. Ben led up on the bit and touched the animal's shoulders with his whip and off they darted with the speed of the wind. End chapter 7